Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And since we're talking about body piercings today, we decided, fair listeners, that we would start off with some personal anecdotes because Caroline and I both have our ears pierced, Mm -hmm. although I never wear earrings anymore. I wear them a lot. I have a kind of a round face, so I feel like I need to balance it out sometimes with something shiny next to it. You wear earrings very well. I just forget about, uh, they might even be closed up by now. I, I just forget. Hey! I, I mean, I mean, oh. Uh, That's what happens. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Well, I just, my mind immediately went to like, oh, you have to get that re-pierced. But I guess you don't if you don't no, want to. You don't have, yeah. Um, but let's back, let's back up, uh, because I think for a lot of women listening, probably, and guys too, because I'm sure there are some, some guys out there listening who have their ears pierced. Getting your ears pierced for the first time is quite a seminal moment. Yeah. Especially if it happens in, in adolescence. Because I don't know about you, Caroline, but for me, um, I'm the youngest in my family and I have, I have two older sisters and getting the ears pierced at the age of 12 was this rite of passage. And I distinctly remember the day I went to get my ears pierced. I just got simple gold studs. Where did you go? I went to Merle Norman. Okay. Department store. Mm-hmm. And I think that was where my, my sisters had gone. My mom was very insistent on uh, everything being as uniform as possible for this ear piercing experience. Um, and I remember going home that night and just staring at myself in the mirror and I put my, I had long hair and I, and I pulled my hair up so I could take a a better look at myself (laughs) with these, these baubles in my earlobes. And I thought I was just entrancing. (laughs) I remember looking at myself like in pajamas with these like simple studs in my ears and being like, well, Kristen Conger, you are quite fetching. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what it was. I was, I was excited about my, my earrings that I wore also. I also got gold studs put in. Um, when I was 13, my mom took me to the mall and I just remember thinking like, it's, it's time. You know, it, I, I'm going to go do it. This is happening. My mm-hmm. friends are doing it. I want to do it. I'm, I'm, I don't want to be, have naked earlobes forever, but you know, it's going to hurt. Yeah. But you, you don't know how much. Right. You know, and, and for some people, they were like, oh, no, no, no problem. No, I didn't have a problem. No, I had a problem. I'll tell you right now, I had a problem. Tell me. We went to Claire's. My mom took me to Claire's and I, I hopped right up in that little ear piercing seat and mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, I'm so special. Look, look at all these people looking at me because they know I'm going to get my ears pierced. Oh God, because there are people like walking by yeah, yeah. too. Like picking out their, you know, weird <laughs> fake plastic jewelry and stuff. Anyway, so she pulls out this ear piercing gun uh-huh. and I'm like, oh, wait, what, what is the, what are you? Oh, okay. Oh, and then so she draws little magic marker dots on my earlobes, which I was like, are these, are you sure they're even in like, pow, you know, ear pierced. And, yeah. And that really hurt and it was really loud and I'm, I'm kind of a nervous Nancy. And so, uh, she did, she did the both ears and then I started to pass out and she's like, all right, all right, get down on the floor, get down on the floor. And so she had me lie down on the floor and like put my knees up and kind of rock them back and forth. And oh no. So here I am at 13 years old, obviously a very confident, you know, non-troubled age for kids lying in the middle of Claire's 
being like, you know, white as a sheet. Well, at least your ear piercing didn't send you off into a bizarre spiral of <laughs> reverie and narcissism. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's not, I don't know if you know this or not, Caroline, but since we're talking about piercings, I also, when I was 18 years old as a freshman in college, and this was post breakup, uh-huh. I got my nose pierced. I do remember too. that. Mm-hmm. I remember you had a pierced nose. I pro- yeah, I probably had one when, uh, when we met. And I still remember when I went home, uh, for the first time and my mom saw my, I just had a stud in my nose and my mom was just so sweet. And she goes, she paused for a minute and looked at it and goes, nods her head slowly. Cool. That's, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Aww. That's pretty cool. Go Mama Conger. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad she didn't freak out. Uh-huh. Well, see, it's interesting, though, that you said that you had it done after a breakup, because I feel like a lot of the stuff we read about the psychology uh-huh. of piercing, I mean, there's a lot of theories and a lot of reasons, and, you know, everybody's different. Everybody, I did it just because I was like, it's time. Right. And, uh, but, I mean, a lot of people have piercing reasons, like specific motivations. And a lot of them are something traumatic happened mm-hmm. or they want to, they want to remember something they went through. Yeah. The, the nose piercing was definitely, uh, a, a way for me to, I don't know. I felt like it was some kind of, um, symbol of my individualism, mm-hmm. you know, of being yeah. like, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this. You had to go to a, a tattoo parlor downtown. I just, I don't know. I felt very, very edgy yep. getting it done because yeah. up until then, you know, like breaking out of my prim and proper gold studded shell. <laughs> uh, and by the way, for listeners out there, I don't, I don't wear my nose piercing anymore, but I liked it for a long time. Yeah. So enough about us. I mean, we could talk about ourselves forever, but we that's could. not what we're here for. Um, but uh, before we get into the history of ear piercing and body piercing, because my goodness is it quite a rich one? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's toss out some statistics for who has their ears pierced. And this is coming from the CBC in Canada. And Health Canada reported that between 73% and 83% of U.S. women have their ears pierced. But a lot of us also experience complications from piercing, Ew. which we'll talk about later. Infections and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that you, you're actually... Uh, Quite likely to get an infection if you get your cartilage pierced mm, on your yeah. ear because the blood flow is not significant enough to heal heal a wound. So you've got to be really careful about keeping that stuff clean. And especially if you wear um, the, the nickel-plated mm-hmm. jewelry. A lot are, of people have allergies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, why, don't, why don't we kick things off with a reading from the Bible? Please, Kristen. Okay. This is coming from... Genesis twenty four forty seven. This is the, uh, I believe, the NIV version for you Bible scholars out there. I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, son of Nahor, whom Micah bore to him. Then I put the ring in her nose and the bracelets on her arm. And that her in there is Rebecca, mm-hmm. wife of Abraham. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, jewelry speak in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, Hebrews wore earrings as adornment, and gold earrings represented wealth, which makes sense. But actually, they they uh, pierced slaves' ears, too, as a mark of servitude. Mm-hmm. And uh, piercing ears goes back at least 6,000 years in the Middle East, but it probably even predates that. Um, for instance, when, I believe it was in 1991, uh, they found... 
Otzi, the Iceman, who mm-hmm. at the time was like the oldest, um, like person ever found. <laughs> well preserved. <laughs> <person. Yeah. laughs> um, and he not only had markings on him that appeared to be some kind of primitive tattoo, but also stretched earlobes. Right. He was cool. Yeah. They thought that maybe he even had his ear, um, ears pierced as well. And it's one of the most common types of body modification. And also cross-cultural. Right. All over the world throughout mm-hmm. history. In a lot of tribes all around the world, uh, earrings and, and, and other jewelry served to display wealth in cultures that carried their wealth in jewelry. Mm-hmm. Um, tribes like the Fulani of West Africa, the Tuareg of the Sahara, and the Bedouins of the Sinai Peninsula. And in a lot of tribes, the type of earring that you wore mattered. It could indicate rank. Um, among many Northwest Coast, Northwest American Coast, Indians, such as, you know, there, there's some in Alaska. Um, the number of holes in one's ear showed the amount of wealth because the process was expensive. So if you had a hole, your whole ear pierced, it meant, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty rich guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, nose piercings are also very common and piercing the septum in particular, that, uh, that piece of flesh between your nostrils is probably the second most common piercing among indigenous peoples. And they're especially common among warrior tribes Mm -hmm. and they'll put uh like they'll pierce it with pieces of bone or even gold um and of course piercing is also very common in india and hindu people will pierce a girl's ears and nose 12 days after birth when she is given her name and um it's also a tradition among um some indian groups to i believe you get your nose pierced the day before i guess if it isn't already the day before your wedding Hmm. Right, and there is a tribe in Brazil that used to pierce boys and girls' ears at birth, just, you know, right out of the gate, and immediately inserted wooden plugs that would be exchanged as the holes got bigger. So it's interesting that so many tribes all over the world have different forms, not only of body modification, but of um, kind of steps to take, yeah. because there's that, what, what is the tribe that uses the, the neck rings? I can't, I, I don't I, know off the top of my head. But that's another one that, you know, like as they get older, mm-hmm. they wear more rings, or wear bigger earplugs to to signify something in particular. Yeah, definitely. Or to make themselves seem more beautiful. Yeah, it definitely seems like one one common strand among all of these different piercing practices is um, is that idea of rank and also the rite of passage. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised to learn that um, earrings were even common among men in Elizabethan England. Um, Shakespeare, Sir Walter Raleigh, and Francis Drake all wore gold rings in their ears. You know who else did? Who? Pirates. Indeed. And sailors. And it actually meant something if you, uh, supposedly if you were a sailor and you wore an earring in one ear, it either meant that you had uh, circumnavigated the globe or you would cross the equator. And sometimes, and this again, I don't, I don't know how true this is, but supposedly if your body washed up on shore or whatever, and you had a big chunk of gold in your ear, it, it was supposed to be used for a proper Christian burial. And there was a sailor superstition that piercing your ear would improve eyesight. Well, I have, shoot, that's not true. I know. <laughs> I wear, I'm wearing contacts I'm so right blind. now. Man. But there are also some, uh, some pretty great historical myths about piercings. Mm-hmm. Involving the Romans. And yes, let's talk about the Romans. Yeah, there's this, this myth, this idea that that uh, Romans pierced their nipples to signify virility. But that, in fact, is not true. And I saw this in uh, a few different sources, and so we had it in our notes, and then come to find out this guy named Doug Malloy, who we'll talk about more. He's one of the fathers of 
of body mod- modification, all that. Right? Yeah, uh, of modern body piercing. Um, this guy Doug Malloy came up with um, with a few of these well spread myths about body piercing, I think is a way to normalize mm-hmm. the behavior. But if someone tells you that, hey, do you know that Julius Caesar had his nipples pierced? You can say, uh, did you know that that is a total hoax concocted by a guy in LA in the 70s? Yeah, who really wanted to get people into his piercing business. But more on that later. Right. Um, speaking of uh, male piercings, what about the gladiators, Caroline? Right. It was not uncommon for gladiators to have a penis piercing. And we think that this is true. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it was not just for show, for looks. It was actually to prevent, uh, too much sexual activity because, you know, we've talked about this in different ways before on the podcast about how there used to be these ideas of masculinity and virility that if men were too sexually active or Mm -hmm. masturbated too much, they would lose all of their masculine energy. Right. So this was along those lines. And probably kind of a punishment too, since yeah. gladiators are basically enslaved. Yeah. Um, but one, one penis piercing myth that we should go ahead and bust also, thanks to Doug Malloy, uh, there's the idea that the Prince Albert piercing, which is a, a penis piercing, uh, was named after Prince Albert, who supposedly got his penis pierced because at the time, uh, Beau Brummel, popularized really tight trousers, so tight, in fact, that uh, you might be able to see a man's bulge in his crotch. And so um, in order to prevent such an unsightly bulge from <laughs> uh, offending the sensibilities of passersby, uh, you, the idea was that Prince Albert got his penis pierced so that he could actually hook his penis to the side in his uh, in his trousers to tame his bulge. But guess what, folks? That uh, that far-fetched tale is indeed too far-fetched to be true. I read that about gladiators, too. Did you read that? I read that sometimes gladiators would have a hook or something like a ring so that they could tie their penis back with, like, a leather cord so that when they were fighting to the death, you know, they would avoid injury. Maybe, I don't know, maybe there's a little bit of a... Maybe it's all tied in. Maybe, maybe it's so. all fake. Doug Malloy! <laughs> Shake my fist. Um, but speaking of naughty piercings, uh, Victorian England, 1890s. Right, apparently nipple piercing was in vogue for uh, Victorian ladies. I think this was a brief amount of time because right. uh, there was um, a letter written in a woman's magazine about uh, this whole, it was a first person essay on get a woman getting her, her nipples pierced because supposedly these Victorian women, uh, obviously more upper class, mm-hmm. would pierce their nipples and even um, like have chains that would run between them as a type of body adornment. And mm-hmm. supposedly some doctors at the time encouraged women to get their nipples pierced to stimulate, um, I guess, engorgement to make breastfeeding easier. But again, uh, some historians have uh, are, are are a little skeptical of this, this notion of nipple piercing. But again, you'll find it in a number of different right. Yeah, sources. this quote from this woman it was in pretty. I googled it, and I mean, it just a million things came up. Yeah. Everybody who is pro piercing has quoted this woman who wrote into this magazine back in the day, and. Um, she said that she came to the conclusion that many ladies are ready to bear the passing pain for the sake of love. Right, because obviously, uh, too, aside from the, the idea of it helping with breastfeeding, 
nipple piercings were highly eroticized at the time as well. Right. Which also led some to think, you know, modern day scholars to think, well, maybe uh, this is just a little bit of pure fantasy. Yeah. Going could on. Be. Like letters to Hustler or something. Right. <laughs> 1890s Hustler. Right. But moving on, um, in the 1920s, pierced ears became a little bit less popular with the advent of clip-on earrings. Right, which I wore when I was a kid. But they kind of, they pinch my <laughs> earlobes. They do. Well, I didn't have any normal-looking ones. I just had dress-up clip-ons, mm-hmm. so they were like huge pageant <sighs> sequin earrings. Bring those back. Yeah, I'd Old that. toddlers and tiaras. <laughs> uh, and then in the 1960s, ear piercing becomes extremely popular among females. But at this point, we're doing it at home. Ew. Parent Get away style. from me. Yeah, sticking a, a, a heated or sterilized needle through the earlobe. And another thing that I thought was completely disgusting, and I'm, so I'm going to share it with you. Okay. Um, also available around this time, and were apparently popular, and, and somebody's going to have to write in and tell me if this is true, spring-loaded uh, ring-shaped earrings with each end sharpened to a point that you just put on your ear and slowly squeeze over a course of days or weeks, and lo and behold, eventually your ear is pierced. You know, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say I believe that. Yeah, but I mean, why... Okay, well, I guess if if you don't have a sterile needle handy mm-hmm. and someone to jab it through your ear, then maybe. But I, I had never heard of that. I wouldn't want to do it, but I'm a wuss. <laughs> I'll go ahead and say it. But yeah, if anyone can confirm or deny conclusively the, the spring-loaded earring mm-hmm. for us, please let us know. And then in the, uh, I guess in the late 1960s and 1970s, Men began wearing earrings um, as part of the hippie movement. But then this is also when gay men started piercing their right earlobe as a way to subtly signify their sexuality because they could not be. They were still very closeted Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, they couldn't dress differently or, you know, kind of. Uh, be open at all. And so the, the right earlobe piercing became a subtle way of uh, letting other folks know what was up. All right. But speaking of the gay community, piercings, not just ear piercings, but body piercings mm-hmm. um, are really tied in with the gay S&M community, especially uh, it got its start in California. Right. In Los Angeles, uh, we have Doug Malloy, guy who we've mentioned a number of times, who, who came up with all the sort of the piercing, body piercing mythology. And Jim Ward really spearheaded this body piercing kind of counterculture. And um, Jim Ward in 1978 opened up the first professional body piercing specialty studio in Los Angeles. It was called The Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. And it closed in 1998. And at one point, uh, Jim Ward said that it was an outgrowth of my own sexual exploration and the things that were erotic. And um, the reason why Doug Malloy, and Doug Malloy is actually a pseudonym. I forget his real name. Um, but it was a pseudonym that he adopted because he was this wealthy guy in L.A. And he was also gay and, I guess, closeted and also in the S&M community. So Doug Malloy was this kind of uh, alter ego mm-hmm. that he adopted. And body piercing kind of became a part of that whole community and then spread thanks to celebrity culture and especially punk rock right. slowly seeped into as soon the as, mainstream. Right. As soon as rock stars start doing something, yeah. it kind of, yeah, their fans follow suit. And yeah, so in the seventies you have a lot of uh, punk guys piercing their own ears. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I mean, it's, it's de- definitely becoming more socially acceptable 
in general, because you could get it done at a doctor's office or like you at a, at a department store mm-hmm. at this point. And so, and this is when the, the terrifying ear piercing guns ah, come about. Well, I, you know what though? I mean, if you had given me the choice between an ear piercing gun and just having, loaded having a ring on my ear that I just squeezed, I just, I wouldn't you'd have take the gun. You'd pass out again on the floor of Claire's. <laughs> I would do it all over again, lady. <laughs> uh, well, what I didn't realize was that even in the early nineties, piercing, especially body piercing was very taboo mm-hmm. in American culture. We found an article from the New York times talking about this new fad. Um, and it was actually kind of quaint reading about how it's adorable, <laughs> how scandalous it was to have your, your nose or your nipple pierced, or I mean, heaven forbid your, your lip or your eyebrow, these more visible body piercings. There are stories of, a. Uh, what did she have pierced? The woman who got fired. Her nose. She had her nose pierced. Yeah, she had a ring in it, not just a stud. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, you can take it out or you can leave. Um, but my favorite story is about the popularization of the belly button piercing. Yeah. Which really has only been around since 1993, all thanks to three very attractive women. Mm-hmm. Christy Turlington, Naomi Campbell, and Alicia Silverstone. Right. Alicia Silverstone, who did not actually get her belly button pierced in right. that Aerosmith video. She had a body double and actually told the, the piercing guy on set that she thought it was gross. Yeah. Well, uh, Alicia Silverstone got her, well, the body double yeah. <laughs> gets her, her belly button pierced in the 1993 video for Aerosmith's crying, which is, I'm wow. Not, I'm not going to start singing. So I'm epic. Not gonna start singing. And then supermodels Turlington and Campbell walked down a runway that year, both yeah. bearing belly button rings and mm-hmm. i mean the rest is history right my friend i have a friend who pierced her own belly button oh yeah that was i had i had uh, friends who were girls who would do that but my mother thought that belly button rings were just very inappropriate for yeah. a young lady i mean there it was the fear of god put in me if i ever came home with my belly button pierced nose ring she was totally <laughs> she cool with cute. belly button ring Harlot. Moving on to ear spools and plugs. Yes. Which I'm going to need help differentiating between the two. But ear plugs are a cylindrical piece that fits into a large hole in your ear. And, you know, you can stretch, stretch it, gets bigger. Then you have ear spool, which is apparently a large cylinder. I say apparently like apparently (laughs) people do this. A large cylinder with a disc or decorative sheet on the front. It sounds like ear spools are just fancier ear plugs. And um, and the plugs come in different sizes called gauges. Mm -hmm. Um, And this traces back to pre-Columbian America. And um, they were also really popular among ancient Mesoamerican cultures. Right, yeah. Archaeologists have found masks. Uh, Mesoamerican masks that have um, stretched mm-hmm. ear holes depicted. So it's clearly it's been going on a while. And I've been noticed. I notice these um, most often among guys, more so than than women. Yeah, I I remember being in my freshman year uh, philosophy breakout group uh-huh. and my creepy TA. I had I just had little um, just studs. I didn't I have never had gauged anything in my mm-hmm. ears. Anyway, just little jade studs. And he like I'm sitting kind of in the back of the class and he just looks at me and he's like, "So how much bigger are you gonna go?" <laughs> oh, I was like, uh, "These are just these are my aunts. They're just studs. They're not." Please stop looking at me. <laughs> did, he, did he have earplugs or spools himself? No, but he did have waist-length curly hair and a goatee. Mm. 
Yeah. I hope he's listening right now. But speaking of having your ears pierced in college, we did have a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a no brainer study mm-hmm. that we found. This is from the University of Florida from 2004 and it was analyzing motivations for uh, kids in college getting tattoos and body piercings. And we should differentiate between body piercings and earrings. A lot of times mm-hmm. just getting your lobes pierced, that's not really considered a body piercing. We're talking more like getting, uh, you know, getting a Marilyn on your upper lip mm-hmm. or uh, getting your septum pierced or something like that. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. So why do they do it, Caroline? Basically, why do we do anything? And that is to attract people. Yeah. To either either show that we are part of a certain type of, of group of people or to show that we are um, individuals mm-hmm. or to attract a mate, to be sexually attractive to someone. So, yeah, it's and, just one of those things we do like wear makeup. And I probably got my nose pierced for all of those reasons. I would never admit that <laughs> at the time, you know. But, you know, one of the reasons they cite is um, a traumatic life experience. And I don't know how traumatic your breakup was. But, I mean, you know, that's something that a lot of women go cut their hair after a breakup. Yeah. You know? It was pretty It was pretty huge <laughs> at, the, at the time. Huge. But apparently, in the eyes of some collegiate researchers, my choice of getting my nose pierced would have also been an indicator of uh, of sexual behavior. Uh-oh. So there's this 2007 study that we ran across over uh, at Discover Magazine that likes to highlight kind of ridiculous studies and uh, correlations that researchers will find. And with this one, uh, this study of college students, they found that women with body piercings reported a substantially greater frequency of sexual activity than college students without piercings. But yeah, the same wasn't true for men. Guys mm-hmm. who had piercings were not significantly ha- having more or less sex than anybody. So yeah, just, I don't, I don't know that I, I don't know that I'm going to validate that. Uh, that no, correlation. I mean, I don't think, I don't think the correlation can definitely, uh, I don't know. I mean, are people who pierce random parts of themselves more open to other experiences? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I it's the know. same. It's the same kind of conclusions, though, especially for women that will uh, they'll will draw based on whether or not they have visible tattoos. Yeah. Like, oh, you're that type yeah. of girl. That girl. Um. So I I don't know. I I take those kind of findings yeah. with a grain of salt. And just one more uh, kind of funny finding related to body piercings. This is from 2006 University of Chicago survey trying to get um, a gauge on the frequency of body piercing in particular and tattoos. And they concluded that body piercing was more common among women and it was associated with a lack of religious affiliation, extended jail time, previous drinking and recreational drug use. And it said local medical complications, including broken teeth (gasps) were present in one third of women with body piercings. Wait, did they mean meth, not body piercing? No, they accidentally typed their own thing. Body piercings. And, uh, and tattoos. So my goodness, I had no idea what a loaded nose ring that was <laughs> that I was getting. Oh dear. That's, that's almost worse than just the sex thing. <laughs> I don't know. But you know what? What? Not everybody is prejudiced against people with piercings. Thank goodness. There is a gentleman, one particular gentleman in the UK who married Brazilian born Elaine Davidson, who was covered in nearly 7,000 piercings, some of which our internal, I don't even know what that means. I don't know what it means either, but supposedly she, she said, she told the Daily Mail in the UK that she has 1,500 
internal piercings. And she holds, oh. I think she's still the current holder in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most body piercings. Right. And she says she doesn't even like being pierced that much, but she's willing to suffer for her art. She also sleeps on a bed of nails. And has walked on glass. But she got married in June, so... To a man with no visible piercings. Yeah. So congratulations, Elaine. This just further proves that there is someone for everyone. Do yeah. not despair, listeners. Although you, she you, she probably has a rough time flying anywhere. Yeah. She likes to wear war paint on her face, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Self-expression, body Every, modification. Everybody's got a thing. We've been doing it since the dawn of time. Yeah. You know, oh, hey, we got these bodies. We got two legs, two arms, a head. No, I need to change something. <laughs> I need to put some holes I need more somewhere. holes. That's exactly what I need. More holes and markings. Um, but uh, should we end this with a note of caution about piercing? Please. And no, this is not about what people might assume about your, your sexual behavior. Uh, you just got to be careful. If you'd want to get a piercing, make sure that you are getting it from a nice sterile source because right. piercing and tattoos, they're often lumped together. Um, but you can transmit Hepatitis B, C, HIV, warts, herpes, toxic shock syndrome, skin tuberculosis, skin tuberculosis, and even a form of leprosy. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> From that. Not, not to freak people out. Yeah, maybe, maybe go to your doctor's office. Should I not have gone to the mall? No, the Mayo Clinic offers a comprehensive list of things to look for, such as, you know, is the person wearing gloves? Is there a new needle? The same kinds of rigorous steps that you would take before yeah. allowing someone to tattoo you. Mm -hmm. But just knowing that you might have allergic reactions if it's coated in nickel. That's very common, like we mentioned earlier. There can be skin infections. Sometimes our bodies just don't like having holes poked in it. And you should make sure there's a nice open spot on the floor next to the chair in case you need to lie down. <laughs> yeah. So we've tossed out a ton of uh, just kind of a grab bag of information about the history of piercing mm -hmm. because it is so um, extensive and a lot of of myths as well. So if anyone, especially with that Victorian, the 1890s Victorian nipple piercing, if anyone knows anything about that, yeah, let us know. Exactly. And also, what do you have pierced? Yeah, then let us know your reactions. If you have a body piercing in particular, um, very curious to know other people's um, Keep it experiences with that. Yes, yes. Don't use any colorful language to describe where your piercing is. We have spam filters. Yeah. Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com is the email address. And we can't wait to hear from you. And in the meantime, we've got a couple emails here to share. I've got an email here from Katrina on our episode about female spies. She writes, just to comment on the Spies podcast, wanted to mention that even if the woman is the heroine of the show, she is eventually given a man to complete her, in quotes. In Alias, it was Vaughn. In, in Covert Affairs, first it was a doctor, and then it was a Mossad agent, and now possibly Augie. I don't know who Augie is, but... Augie is Augie. The, the cute blind guy. Okay. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely love both shows, though Alias got weird toward the end. <laughs> I'm kind of sick of seeing shows with females being strong and independent, always ending up having to have a man or a boyfriend, and Bones is yet another example of that. Says LaFemme Nikita, but I mean, she and Michael had tension from the beginning. Hey, I'm not getting you started on LaFemme <laughs> Nikita. I know, it's dangerous. I could talk all day. <laughs> 
Um, I have an email from Stephanie. Uh, she says that she's an English major and she reads romance novels on a fairly frequent basis. I worship my e-reader because I can read them without being hassled for my reading choices. Yes, there are some incredibly stupid romance novels, but there are also a slew of less than fantastic novels in all genres. I read them because I find the character interaction, particularly the growth of the heroine, very fascinating. If you know where to look, there are a whole swath of romance novels that have intelligent, witty, brave, and strong female characters. Thank you for bringing up that Jane Austen, though you forgot to mention Emily Bronte, as examples of classical romance novel literature. I've used this to defend my choice to read other types of romance lit. It's sad but understandable that romance novels have garnered the colloquial chick porn term. Thanks, Stephanie. And thanks to everyone who has written in. And if you don't want to write an email, but you want to share your thoughts, you can always head over to Facebook and say hello. And follow us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. And, of course, you can check out the blog during the week. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Fork staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House to Fork's iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?